You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today you're in for a treat. The host of the Wired to Hunt podcast, Mark Kenyon, longtime buddy of mine, is on the podcast today, and we are going to continue a conversation that we started last week about cold fronts, the impact of early season cold fronts, um, and right now we're coming to the tail end of what I would call the early season, right? We're going from this early season bed to food pattern into what some might call the October lull. My trail cameras just continue to show more deer movement and more deer movement and more deer movement every single week. And so uh, we're, we're coming out of the early season. We're going into this October lull timeframe. And like I said, I just wanted to continue this episode with Mark. He's really detailed about how he how he speaks on this topic. 
He talks uh, about the properties that he hunts. We talk about the impact a cold front has on different parts of the country, on different uh, properties, whether it is a, um, a highly managed property versus a public land spot. Uh, we talk about pressure. We talk about um, precipitation. We talk about temperature drop. We talk about food sources. All the things that really play a role in deer behavior and deer movement this type of year and whether or not uh, cold fronts impact them equally the same. You'll hear, you'll hear Mark use an interesting word, and that's uh, a property baseline, right? And so can a, uh, the, these baselines on different properties are different, right? Obviously, a highly managed property is going to have a higher baseline of deer movement, and when that cold front comes, then you're going to see elevated deer um, you know, deer movement. Same thing on, uh, on public ground. He feels that there's a lower baseline on highly, you know, uh, highly pressured ground, let's just say. And then, but when a cold front comes through, you will still see elevated deer movement. And so we get into a conversation about his thoughts and my thoughts that mine are a little bit different than, than his. Uh, and I'm sure that you, if you listen to the first part of this conversation that I did with Jeremy Dinsmore, I did, I, I felt like I did a good job explaining, um, why I'm not a huge believer in, uh, cold fronts this time of year. Um, and, and me and Mark, we talk about this, uh, Mark and I, excuse me, uh, Mark and I, we talk about this particular podcast that came, what was it last week or the week before where it was literally it fell on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so we talk about if the hype for this cold front would have been the same or less if it landed on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, I feel like, like I'll just tell you right now, I, I just don't feel the hype uh, of a weekday cold front would be. And, I, and here, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some t statistics for you from a poll that I took on um Pull that those numbers up on a poll, um, and here here is the poll. Uh, I asked four questions, and then I got a percentage. So question number one was, did you hunt the this past cold front? And it was seventy to thirty, basically. Okay, seventy percent of people said yes, they hunted the cold front. Thirty percent of the people said no. Okay. The next question I asked was, did you see a shooter? And I guess it's up to you to determine, determine what a shooter was. Okay. Um, then what we have is a, uh, what was it? It was, it was a 30, it was flipped. 30% said, uh, yes, 70% said no. Okay. The next question was, did you kill a deer? Right? The next, so, and that was a, a 20%, a 20% no, or a 20% yes. No, no, yeah, 20% yes, and 80% no. Okay? And then the last question was, if this cold front, would have landed on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, basically midweek, would you have hunted it? 
and it was 80% no and uh, 20% yes. Uh, 80% no, 20% yes. So the timing of this cold front uh, really played an impact on how many people went out, all right? And so of that initial 70%, and, and granted, this isn't like thousands and thousands of people. This is a, a pretty small sample size. But of that 70% that said they hunted, 80% of those people would not have hunted that cold front if it landed on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So the cold front really got people out in the timber uh, this year. And so if I'm looking at these numbers purely on a science, like on a, on a strategy in a, you know, a statistical, uh, if I was going to base my, my, uh, whether or not I'm going to hunt based off of these numbers right here, I would say that statistically early season cold fronts don't matter too much. Right. But everybody else seems to think that an early season cold front, you know, has, has a huge impact on, on deer movement. And, and whether that is daylight deer movement, let's say. And so I don't know, man. I, and we get into the impact of like, and I have my thoughts on this as well, but in this episode, we have a really good conversation about, you know, like the managed land versus, you know, um, I, I strongly believe that the, it's weighted towards who's going to benefit this. The people that have the highly managed properties, they can sit uh, on a food source, green food source, probably sp specifically, or if they have, I don't know, a food plot of acorn trees, which seemed to be a big hit this fall as far as people talking about it. But when I was coming out of the timber uh, the past this past weekend and I was driving home, eh, all of the deer were on alfalfa fields, green grass, and, and things like that. And so... Um, yeah, they were munching on on browse, but in the staging areas that I was at, man, they were just kind of munching on their way through, on their way to some kind of green. Uh, so, anyway, that is that's the the statistics. We talk about all that in today's episode. I'm just repeating myself now, so let's get into the commercials. Man, I'm gonna run through these real quick because uh, I I I first off I don't skip this because these people who are paying me money to advertise on this podcast, um, they pay my bills, man. And and so th they are what keeps this content free, right? And so I would appreciate if you would listen to listen to these and then go, go and uh, check out some of these companies. Take a look at their products. Maybe they fit you, maybe they don't. But I'd say go check them out. And uh, some of these I've actually had some... Um, experience with now so the tethered first thing i'm going to say is go if you're looking to get into saddle hunting or you want to learn more about saddle, saddle hunting tetherednation.com but i will say that i messed around with the lockdown this uh, uh this weekend it's their new saddle and i'll say this it was a huge it was very convenient having those big pockets on the side that all i had to do was drop down reach in for a screwing step or reach for whatever I needed as I'm hanging up, pull my stand off my back. I mean, it was, it was easy setting it up. So go check out that wasp broadheads, man. Uh, I'm really looking forward to unleashing one of those through the vitals of a, a buck or a doe this, uh, this 
upcoming season and so uh man if you're looking for a really well-built broadhead majority majority of their heads are still made in america go check out wasparchery.com discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off vortex optics had the rangefinder out had the uh binos out uh and with the triumph hd binos out this uh this past weekend flawless man i mean great in low light they are they are like amazing optics this upcoming weekend when i leave for south dakota i'm gonna have the spotter in hand same you know i'm gonna have uh some binoculars range finder and uh and my spotting scope obviously so that's coming with me vortexoptics.com take a look at their vip warranty it's amazing company amazing people code blue sense man um i finally am starting to get some pictures of some deer on uh, the trail cameras that i have set over my mock scrapes that i used with the rope-a-dope system uh i am starting to get some pictures um and even the i ran out of uh rope or the the rope the blue rope that comes with that system however i've been taking that orbital gland and i've been rubbing it on some uh upper branches uh, and uh, scraping just using my foot to make some scrapes and putting a trail camera over there Uh, it seems to be a hot as of this area right now it seems to be a hot topic of discussion for the does I'm getting a lot of pictures of does coming in and smelling it and identifying the scrape and all I did was just kind of pee in the scrape Uh, I left my uh, my synthetic sense in the oh crap in the um, in the truck but uh, what I will say is that I'm starting to get a lot of pictures and where the does are, the bucks will, will follow. And so I can't wait to hop in there one of these days and hunt over one of these scrapes and get a picture of a giant, you know, working that licking branch. Uh, so codebluesense.com discount code NFC two zero for 20% off, uh, the Woodman's pal this weekend when I was uh, putting up some trail cameras and, and I needed to hack some weeds, I had the Woodman's Pal with me uh, to chop little branches to clear out areas. It's an awesome habitat tool to keep in your truck or keep uh, you know in your pack. Woodman'sPal.com. Uh, these guys have been around since like the 1940s. American-made product, durable as all get out. I mean, I beat the shit out of mine. Uh, so go uh, look into that. And last, last but not, or it's not last but not least, Huntworth. All right, so Huntworth, uh, I had the opportunity to wear their clothes this weekend. And I will say this, I'm always skeptical of base layers because if they're not made right, their base layer base layers will itch, they will make you uncomfortable, and you just, you lose focus in the woods because you're you're just moving around too much. I'm going to say this. The Huntworth base layers are the shit, uh, very comfortable, very breathable, kept me warm, kept me dry and wicked the moisture away when I was, you know, setting up this weekend. And at the same time, uh, I was wearing a vest, a a shell, an outer shell and uh, a pair of solid colored pants. Those pants are very comfortable very comfortable one thing i like about the pants uh the solid colored pants that they have is on the inside of the waistline there's like a rubber grip so that when you tuck your shirt in your pants actually keeps your shirt down and your pants don't fall down it's like so you don't necessarily need a belt if you order the right size of pants uh 
so that's that was cool all their shirts also one one big thing i hate when i'm wearing a shirt and they don't have the thumb holes or the thumb straps to keep your sleeves all the way down that's a must-have for me and they have that so uh, go check out huntworthgear.com and uh, basically read up on all of their uh, early mid and late season options so all right. Oh, last but not least, Full Sneak Gear company I started. If you're looking, for, we just introduced a, a stocking cap. We got the Nine Finger Chronicles hat. We have the uh, three or four different t-shirt options right now. And as we get closer to Christmas, I will be releasing more products and then uh, go spend your money there too. So fullsneakgear.com. Uh, if you guys want to be on the podcast you want to share your story if you're some sort of professional deer biologist or you know a thing or two about a thing or two hit me up via instagram i would love to i chat with anybody on this podcast and i would really appreciate it if you would reach out to me also if you want to talk about hunting gear and equipment do me a favor and get a hold of me and we can we can get on the hunting gear podcast as well. Talk about your experiences there. Other than that, let's get into today's cold front continuation episode with my man, Mark Kenyon. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, to continue this cold front conversation, I brought in deer hunting expert, Mark Kenyon. Mark, how we doing, man? Hey, buddy not used to you calling me a deer hunting expert but i can get used to it <laughs> <laughs> i wonder like you know how doctors can go get certificates to be specialized in something do you think there's any deer hunting expert uh classes that we could go to be to become certified we, we should figure that out. Maybe we can make that yeah. class dance so we can be the official arbiters of who is an expert or not. <laughs> you know, the closest thing to that is uh, the National Deer Association does have a deer steward course, so you can become mm-hmm. a certified deer steward level one or two, uh, which Do they... means you at least have to have a really, if you go through that, you will have a strong base of knowledge about okay. biology of deer, habitat of deer, and, and some basic things. So that might be a foundational thing you could check off so is there a we i think we would have to alter it right because uh the steward the stewardship program that they offer a lot of that revolves around like deer biology and habitat right yep okay so we would have to add in something like a what would dequisto do type of mm-hmm. or what would dan infault do in in these scenarios yeah add like- that add that portion one of the screening questions would be if you have got to take a dump and you're up in the tree sky dump or do you climb down duh (laughs) duh and that's that's like a pass fail question right if you answer it correctly man like who gets down out of the tree anymore man with all this technology that we have today dude i'm so glad that you don't have a cameraman with you anymore because that would just be a horrible (laughs) some or you know how you know, uh, lately, and when I, when I say lately, I mean like in the past, I don't know, five years, there's been a lot of camera guys turning on the uh, on the the people that they're filming and like, hey, this is, you know, I've filmed this guy poach a deer or I filmed him do this, you know, uh, and I get blackmailed for pooping out of a tree stand. Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're lucky that that was deep in your past before, yep. before this is all the rage. 
Yep. I, I honestly think that a scenario like that, where where it would the title would be Mark Kenyon poops from tree stand, I feel like that would just give a person more street cred with the the average Joes of the the hunting world. If you're trying to go viral, that's a pretty good way to do it. Oh man! Uh, so you have one deer in the dirt already this year, right? Yes, sir. Oh man, did that well, feel two. good shooting in two? If you count it, I got a doe. I've got a buck and a doe now. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody cares about does, man. What? Unless unless you're like a professional wildlife, uh, wild game cook. I mean, right? Am I wrong? Am I right? I would say you're wrong. It's good I'm wrong. To okay, right. good to shoot does. It uh, is. We got right. to manage those populations, and I will also right. say, I know you're kidding, but I'll also say that, uh, man, it, it was great to shoot that doe right out the gate, just to get, you know, get that, go through that whole thing again, right? I think yeah. every time you shoot yeah. deer, you get a little bit better at it, and there's mm-hmm. no better way than than targeting some does. So, yeah. but yes, I'm I'm proud yeah. of that doe. Dude, I'm I'm with you 100. percent Like, we we've talked about this so much though. How do you get comfortable shooting deer? by shooting deer yeah. right and so um and then your buck was both were both of them in wisconsin yep both were in wisconsin okay. in back-to-back days man that that's got to feel good i mean that's that's a just a straight up fun hunt it was it really was yeah. it was uh cool learning a new property um in a short period of time i enjoyed that challenge and you know found just a dynamite little spot that uh that set up really well for that time of year and i was able to take advantage of it so uh yeah felt great to get a couple deer early knock the rust off and um, hopefully build some momentum leading into the rest of the year right well, that's awesome man congratulations and i hope uh your luck continues you know in michigan i know you i know you're just like paper thin close to getting on your target animal in michigan man so i'm uh i'm pulling for you there yeah, man, he's, uh, as these local deer usually do, they, they keep me uh, up late at night thinking about what to do with them. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm always thinking about different ways to try to catch up to them. And, and this year I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking, I think I'm going to take a new approach, do some of the things I've done in the past that haven't worked super well and shift it up right. try something new. So that's yep. the game plan here yep. moving forward. You know, I, I talked to a guy earlier this week, um, and he mentioned that he went through what he called a little hunting fatigue and so he went through like a um a portion of time where he was just like he was he was just like going through the motions and he wasn't doing anything outside of the box which led him to some stagnant years and i think what you're doing and just trying new strategies and and being you know being to fail on some of that stuff is going to be a, uh, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's, uh, it's a good thing to do every once in a while. Yeah, I apologize, Dan. I lost you for like 20 seconds there. Yeah, that's cool, man. All I, all I did was basically say that, um, uh, what did I say? I said that, you know, sometimes you gotta, you get a, you get fatigue, you get, you have to go outside of the box from doing the same thing over and over and over and throw a curveball at these deer every once in a while. And, and, and dude, I, I found that throwing curveballs sometimes really does catch the deer off guard. Yeah. 
and and to your point, it's good for the hunting and it's good for you, mm-hmm. the hunter, to switch it up yep. a little bit to try those new things. It's it's definitely easy to get stuck in a hunting rut, like find what you're comfortable yep. with and just do that yep. over and over again. And yeah, that might work. Um, but man, I, I think you've probably seen this too. Like over the years, it's when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone, maybe travel to a new place or try a new technique yeah. or whatever it is. Like that's when you actually grow as a deer hunter and usually take Absolutely. those next steps. Yep. That's a fact. All right. I kind of want to get right into the meat and potatoes of this episode because man, I made a post and this, this is a continued conversation from last week where I talked with Jeremy Dinsmore of the Antler Up podcast. Um, and if I'm going to put a label on him, he's a big woods buck, um, hunts very little ag, and um, no no food plots type of hunter. And we had this conversation about cold fronts, right? And so I want to I want to have a conversation with you continued about these cold fronts and, and what your experiences are. But before we get into that portion of it, are you familiar with the, whether it's, um, you know, Bronson and Mississippi State uh, uh, deer, uh, deer research and things like that, which were things like, uh, you know, like moon phase, right? Moon phase does not impact total deer movement, yeah. right? And, and, and things like certain weather uh, events don't uh, impact total deer movement in a 24-hour period. Yeah. However, some may argue that it will increase or decrease daylight activity, okay? And so that's really what I want to talk about today is the like what a cold front actually means in the early season, who it benefits the most. Like, is it a Southern guy? Is it a Midwestern guy? Is it an egg guy? Is it a big woods guy? And really, and really try to um, clear up this, are, are hunting cold fronts worth it, basically? And so I want to just ask that really big question to you right out of the gate. Yeah, so are cold fronts worth hunting? And okay. the answer is an unequivocal hell yes. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And okay. I've hunted cold fronts in places with ag. I've hunted them in, cold, in farm country. I've hunted them in the south. I've hunted them in the north. I've hunted them in the west. I've hunted them to the east. I've done the big woods. I've done the Great Plains. I've done Texas Hill Country. I've done the swamps of, you know, the south, pretty darn close to it at least. I've seen it all, and I've experienced mm-hmm. cold fronts in all those places. And it is always a good thing. I've, I've okay. yet to see a cold front not produce, you know, a positive bump in deer activity. So that's the okay. short answer. Okay. So – how, how do we have a conversation about this? Because up until this year, all of my experiences have shown that it does not increase deer movement uh, enough for me to get into the woods. Like, really? My tra- yep. Dude, I'm telling you the truth. My, my trail cameras, other than this year, when I sent you that picture, that's that giant that I'm after, yep. right? Other than this year, and, and that is a... He's a daylight walker, but he's not really in an area where I would I would have been able to hunt it. I mean, north wind, this that north wind would go right to his bedding area because he's walking into the wind. Anyway, that that's beside the point. But trail camera data and um, 
just time in the woods has shown for me and my experiences that hunting a first week, second week cold front in October is not worth it. Right. Okay. So and it's, it's just based off of experience and trail camera data and, you know, just watching deer move in the, I don't know, in their natural environment from, from the farms that I have access to. And so even that, even that new farm that I talked to you about that had all the studs on it last year in a three day window. And I have, I have my trail cameras in what I would say are some of the best little pinches and stuff in that, uh, in that not one mature buck on trail camera in that period of time. Now that yes, there was some doe movement, but nothing that just jumped out and be like, Holy cow, this, this day. So how do we either agree to disagree or come up with a united like comment about cold fronts? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the thing, the key thing about thinking about the cold front impact, Dan, is that cold fronts will not get deer to do something they're not already wanting to do at, exactly. at a certain time of year. Mm-hmm. What it can do is make them do the thing they already want to do maybe a little bit earlier in the day or maybe a little yes. bit later in the morning. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't know where your cameras are set up. I don't know what kind of spots you're hunting, but, you know, in the early season, if a cold front comes through on October 8th or October 15th or something like that, and if your cameras are set up on pinch points and, you know, rut locations, because that's when you're usually going to hunt, I would not expect to see a whole bunch of daylight activity in those kinds of spots on October 15th, because that's not what yep. the deer want to do on October 15th. What deer want to right. do on October 15th are move from their bedding area to their top attractive food source at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. So that said, if I had a camera set up next to an apple tree on October 15th or underneath a white oak that's ran in acorns, um, I sure as heck would believe that there would be, you know, maybe a little bit earlier movement on those cold front days coming to that food source. Or maybe if there's been a mature buck who's been nocturnal all the time, at least in the locations that I have cameras, um, that cold front might be the day he moves 10 minutes earlier than usual and comes out in daylight. So again, a cold front's not going to make deer do something outside of the normal. It just might get them moving a little bit earlier because right, this isn't changing patterns. It's simply making deer more comfortable getting up on their feet sooner. They're feeling that urge to feed a little bit more. Um, Changes in weather, changes in conditions typically will lead to a a bump or a change in that activity time frame, but it doesn't make a whole brand new paradigm. So right. you still got to be on that usual pattern for the time of year. Um, and I do think like where you're looking for deer movement is going to influence how much of a change you're going to see as well. So it's like, yeah. if all someone's doing is monitoring field edges and if you're in a pressured area, there might not be very much movement at all on the field edges in daylight because the deer know that daylight activity on the field edge equals danger. Um, yeah. And that might not change with a cold front. 
if you are hunting a place where there's low hunting pressure and you're monitoring field edges, let's say with cameras or hunting, um, if there's low hunting pressure, maybe there is activity on those field edges and you're seeing does and young bucks and the occasional three-year-old. But when that big cold front comes through and you've got an oak tree on the edge of that field, that might be the night that the old buck is, you know, able to close the distance and get to that edge just before daylight. And that's the night he shows. So yeah, the way I look at cold fronts and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. So tell me to shut up if you want, Dan, but the way I look at them is that it might move things up 15 minutes for me. And so if I'm trying to, if, if I can't hunt every day or if it's not smart for me to hunt every day, let's say, and I've got to pick my shots and I know like, man, I want to hunt that oak tree because I know there's a lot of acorns on the ground and I know that's close to a buck's bedroom and I know I can get in there with a north wind. Um, now I just need to wait for the right conditions. And if I have a warm weather day with the right conditions or I have the cold front day that's 20 degrees cooler with conditions and I'm thinking, all right, well, which of these two days is going to be a better chance to see that deer? I'm always going to pick that cold front day because that might get him moving 10 minutes sooner or five yeah. minutes sooner or 15 minutes sooner. And that often can make the difference between killing an old deer and not killing an old deer. Um, we're yeah. seeing 10 deer versus seeing two deer. Um, okay. So would you say that cold fronts are weighted differently? Let's say you have a managed property with food and low pressure versus a, um, either a, another private piece that is, has a lot of hunters on it or public, um, that like a public, some public has food, has food plots in it for the wildlife. And, uh, and you know, you could potentially catch a, a bed to food pattern in, in that, but you're now you're playing with uh, a little bit higher pressure scenario. Yeah. So do you think they're, they're weighted different and you will see a greater result on different property types? So I don't think it's the cold front impact that's different. I think okay. the baseline is different. Yep. So imagine like your baseline of possible activity you would see on that pressured private land is here. And the yep. baseline of deer activity you might see in the pressured public is, is, a, is a notch lower. And then maybe yep. your baseline of movement on your unpressured private is a couple notches higher. Yep. I think all of that just gets bumped a little bit with the cold mm -hmm. front. So it's like, yeah, gotcha. give, give me plus 10 points for the private land, plus 10 points for the public land, plus 10 points for the pressure ground. But you will see a different level of movement, right? Not because the cold yep. front impacts differently, but just because like the pressured public is different. So gotcha. yeah, so like the amount of impact you see on the pressured public land, it's not, you're not gonna necessarily see the gangbusters, incredible deer movement that the guy two miles away on the private unpressured ground is gonna see. That's not because cold fronts impact private land differently than public. That's because all these other impacts on public land are impacting the action you see and the number of deer that are out there and the number of deer that feel safe moving in locations you can hunt. So I think yeah. across the board, a cold front will give you a boost. It's going to move or movement up earlier. But mm -hmm. if on public land, if those deer are already moving only after dark and now they get the cold front, Maybe they're still, maybe they're moving more, maybe they're moving closer to daylight, but if the pressure's so much, they might still not be out on the field where you're hunting or out in the open area you're hunting or whatever it is. So yeah. the level of what you can see or the amount of activity you're seeing could be different because yeah. of that pressure impact. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. 
Now, same question, but different parts of the United States, right? Let's say cold front comes through the south, it goes from 90 to 70. Uh, same cold front comes through the Midwest, it goes from 70 to 50. Yeah. All right. Same, same temperature drop. Do you think that region, uh, re- different regions of the United States are weighted different or does a cold front, is it equally distributed across the U.S.? So what I've seen from my experience and, and then also just talking to people, you know, we do this thing on Wired Hunt every Wednesday. It's called Rough Fresh Radio, where we talk to four or five different hunters across the country, different places every week during the hunting season. So we're hearing from people from many, many different states all throughout the season. And what I've picked up from those folks and from my own experience is that a cold front is a cold front. The actual temperature doesn't matter so much as what the change in temperature is. Yeah. So a, temp- a temperature change from 90 to 70 is great, even though 70 degrees sounds pretty darn warm. Um, right. It's that 20 degree change that's really the thing. So if I get a 20 degree change from 70 to 50 or from 50 to 30 or from 90 to 70, whatever it is, I'm pretty happy about it because that 20 degrees is a significant shift in the world that those deer live in. So I'm always looking for what that relative change is. Um, So, you know, we recently had a cold front pass through here in Michigan, everywhere, right? Everyone had that big front. And it was really, really hot leading into that. So it was Mm -hmm. in the 80s for a lot of people. And then it dropped down to 65 that first couple of days. And 65 doesn't sound like amazing. Um, that still sounds kind of warmish, but because it was like a 25 degree temperature drop, it was like, whoa, this is a big change. This is that first big change. And I think that sent a lot of, a lot of deer moving a little bit more and a little bit sooner and a lot of deer yeah. died because of it. Um, yeah. so that, that I would say is consistent in Texas. North Dakota to Montana to Mississippi, you're going to see that impact. Um, but again, how much of that is illuminated by daylight and, and available for you to take advantage of will be determined by what's the pressure. It will be determined by like what are the kind of places you're hunting. You know, if you're hunting spots that deer just don't want to move in daylight, regardless whether it's cold front or not, you're not going to see the cold front bump. Right. So it's just like we talk about the October lull and how the October lull is a myth, right? Um, and, and it is right. There's not an actual decrease in deer movement. Deer movement is steadily increasing through October, but if people aren't in the right places or if people aren't adjusting, they're never going to see that rise. So people end up having a lull because they're just not adjusting. Right. Well, I think the same thing is true with a cold front. If you're not making the right adjustments to take advantage of that cold front, you're not going to see the, the positive, the possible positives. Um, And again, like a cold front is not magic either. It's not just going to all of a sudden make everything amazing. You got to be doing everything right already to see that, you know, 5% boost in the cold front impact or whatever it is. So I think that folks should look at all these different condition variables, temperature, um, wind, precipitation, time of year, whatever it is, like all these things impact deer movement to some degree. But none of them will take you from like zero to hero. All these things might give it like, well, there's a 4% chance better that the bucks can move early now. And this thing might bump things up 10%. And being in the right location is going to bump things up 30%. And being out there at the right time is going to bump things up 10%. And you stack all these things, and that's how you eventually have that miracle of miracles where you are in the right time, in the right place, when the buck comes through. Yeah. Um. 
the October law, I kind of want to expand or, well, so do you feel that, and I want to take the last we actually, I want to take somewhere between the 20 and 25th of October yeah. and, and beyond. I want to take that out of this conversation, right? Cause duh, right? I mean, obviously hunting gets better as October comes through, yeah. but as we go in from early season into the lull period of the year, I just, I even hate saying it out loud, right? By me saying it out loud, I ad- like, I admit that it is, that it exists, yeah. right? But, and I don't. So anyway, um, do you think that a cold front coming through uh, the first week of October versus the second week of October or in that, you know, that 10 to 15 time frame versus the, the first to the 10th, does a cold front hit harder that second week or the first week, you think? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So that's a great question, and I'm not sure I have the answer to that, but my intuition and, and again, like general vibes that I feel like I've picked up over the last 15 years of talking to a ton of really good deer hunters is that that very first big cold front of the fall does seem to like have a, a bigger boost than usual. And so yeah. I think that's the one we just hit, right? That that yeah. was the first big front across a lot of the country that hit, you know, from like the, depending where you are, somewhere between like the fifth and the eighth, maybe somewhere in that ballpark. Um, that was the first one in the fall where we went from like hot summer type temperatures to boom, like it's fall now. And so I think that one hits a little harder after this. I think most years you get like steadier, like ups and downs. Now there'll be a little front and then stabilizes and a little front then stabilizes. Um, they're, they're good. Um, but I don't know if you ever match that first really, really good one again. Um, I will say that what you have is like a Venn diagram. Imagine a Venn mm-hmm. diagram where you've got like a cold front happening in one big circle. And then you've got on the left side, let's say like other good things that make deer hunting pop. Yep. Um, whenever you can get that other good things that deer makes deer hunting pop really full of stuff and then intersect with the cold front, you get a special moment. And yep. so... I think when you have a big cold front hit, when the first cold front hits in early October or whenever the beginning of your season is, if you have a big cold front hit at the beginning of your hunting season, you've got an extra special opportunity because you have that first cold front effect, which I just said is, is a special one, overlapped, right? The Venn diagram overlaps with the extra special opportunity you have at the beginning of the season before deer are really pressured too much. They're on a better yeah. feed pattern and they're doing deer things before we mess it up. So that's an extra special opportunity. The problem that folks get into in mid-October and the reason why many people experience a lull is that hunting pressure has now changed deer movement. Food sources have changed, which results in deer changing how they operate. Bedding cover is starting to reduce as leaves fall or corn gets picked or whatever it is. 
So all of these changes are happening between you know late September or mid-September and mid-October. Lots and lots of stuff has changed. So all of that leads to like a wildly different game board on October 15th. So when that cold front hits on October 15th, for a lot of guys, it's harder to take advantage of it because they haven't caught up to all those changes. Yep. If you are one of those rare hunters who is dialed in enough to know how the food source changed, if they haven't pressured their deer yet, if they know how the bedding's adjusted, if they know where these deer have shifted to once they made their September shift, if they have all that dialed in and they haven't screwed it up yet, they've got a great opportunity when the big front hits on the 15th too. I just think that's a relatively small proportion of the hunting public that's there. Um, now, fast forward, I know you told me not to talk about the later part of October, but I'm going to do it anyways. If you fast forward to like late October, now all of a sudden things are back in favor for your average deer hunter because now you've got that boost of the pre-rut, testosterone is rising, bucks are getting excited again about trying to find does. Now they're a little bit less uh, bothered by the hunting pressure because they're willing to forgive a few things because they want that, you know, they want some loving. So they're starting to move a little more than usual. They're starting to prioritize females a little bit more than usual. They're a little bit more forgiving. They're a little bit more daylight active because of those things. So now, you know, hunters can again start seeing a little more activity. Even if they didn't make the right adjustments two weeks ago, they've got like a get-out-of-jail-free card coming their way because of the rut. And now if the cold front hits on top of that, now you have that really, really loaded side of the Venn diagram with like good things for hunting intersecting with the Venn diagram for the cold front. And so you've got this like huge opportunity again. So that late October cold front can be an absolute banger for a lot of people just because it's a little, there's, there's all these other things stacked up to help you out. Yeah. The next question that I have is not necessarily, I don't know. It's about cold fronts, but it has nothing to do with really the deer per se or the strategy per se. But on the days of the week in which the cold front landed, the cold front, this past cold front landed on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, meaning just just purely based off those days, more people are going to be in the woods, right? Do you think that the hype of this past cold front would have changed if it was a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday scenario? That's very interesting. Um, And I would say it probably would not be as hype because to, to your point like not as many people would be able to hunt it a lot of folks are on those the weekend hunting schedule and so if that big front hits midweek you're just at the well um and everyone's yeah. just going to be sitting there looking at their phones looking at camera pictures or looking at the weather forecast and thinking man i wish i was hunting um right. but yeah this past one was like on the dot perfect for long. on the dot um so you yeah. had first big cold front of the year you had it happening pretty early in the season for a lot of folks. So they've got the relatively unpressured deer plus it's on a weekend. Um, I mean, it was a lot of things converging to make for a special early season period. And I think we saw, I mean, I don't know what your Instagram feed looked like, but I've seen so many dead deer on my social feeds over the last four or five days. I mean, it's blown up. It felt like, it felt like late October, early November is what it felt like as far as being the success rate. Yeah. But here's the thing, like, I, I agree with you that the feeds were blowing up, but you know who I felt the people that I following that found success. And I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying if I was going to look at percentage wises, I'm looking at people 
who have all those odds stacked in their favor. Like managed property food plot guys were the people who found success on this last cold front. And that, yes, there was guys who went out into some public and got the job done and they get the job done. But I feel like it was heavily weighted towards the people who had uh, like more control over the, over the properties that they hunted. Sure. And I would say that might be true, but yeah. if we didn't have a cold front, that would still be true. Right. So imagine we yeah. had last weekend without the cold front, it would have been, been the same thing. We would have seen a few people kill some deer and it probably would have been like the famous guys of the big managed land. It's because they yep. at that higher baseline. Yep. And it's going to be yep. the same thing. If you fast forward to late October, um, it's just that in late October, the baseline for everybody else moves up too, because even on public land, things get a little bit better in late October because of the pre-rut, because of all of these other things. So yeah. I, I still think the cold front does not change how it's how it's going to impact you if you're on public versus managed land. It's just that you've got that different starting point. So when the front yeah. hits, everybody bumps up 10 points. But yeah, the managed land guy, like he's got so many other things going for him that it's more likely yeah. he'll end up killing something just because he started so much, you know, he started at yeah. so much more advantage than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And and obviously not everybody who hunts posts their shit on Instagram. And so like, yeah, there was a lot of dead deer and man, I, I don't know. I just like, it's, it's a hard time believing in something that I've never see, seen. Well, or, or I very rarely seen i had one year where i i hit a cold front uh i think it was like october 7th and i i hunted a morning hunt and wow. that morning hunt produced two shooter deer coming out of this little block of timber dropping down into a buffer strip into a field this was before the crops were picked in it and they bedded down way what they actually came in downwind of me and, and bedded downwind of me and I don't know if they smelled me or not, but I, I didn't go after them, right? So so other than that time and then this picture that I got from the my number one buck this year at 530, I, like it's still very hard for me to jump on board. It's, and it's, it's like, hey, I want you to believe in something that you've never seen before, right? It's like faith, right? You got, hey, have faith in the cold front type of type of scenario sometimes it pays off sometimes it doesn't but i don't know man i just feel like it's like for me it's really hard to jump on board of something that i've never had success with so i don't understand this is like the craziest thing i've ever heard um are you telling me you don't even think cold fronts help increase deer movement at all any time of the year no or no, no, no 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 is it just like nope. early in october not i'm saying the first two weeks of october Okay. Have I seen, dude, I have seen a cold front come through that first week in November and literally light switch the rut on. Yeah. Right. And I mean, going from doll, doll sits October or November 1st, 2nd, 3rd to cold front came through on like the fourth or whatever. And it just like it exploded everything. So it's not that I don't believe cold fronts are, are beneficial anytime, just my experience with them in early October results in not much, man. Yeah. So I think that goes back to like the baseline thing. Yeah. Like I think our baseline deer activity, like your baseline deer activity those first two weeks of October is generally lower than it's going to mm -hmm. be in November, right? Yep. 
So I would go back to like, you just might be having your cameras or where you're hunting in, and then you'll, you very rarely hunt those parts of the year anyways, Dan, right? I mean, yep, you hunt right. a ton early November, you know, historically yep. you've hunted very little in the first two weeks of October. So part of this might also be like, you're just not out there to see it. Or if yeah. you are, you know, maybe, maybe you're not in the places where that early October movement is happening on your properties. Like I know you've got it dialed for the rut. Yep. Um, maybe they're just doing something different at that time of year. Um, yeah. Cause also like you hunt a lot of places, like very managed stuff all around you. Right. Yeah. So I'm not surprised when, when I start thinking about this like in some of the places I know you've hunted in the past where there's food plots all over the neighboring property, there's standing mm-hmm. food all over you. Um, there's so many great spots for deer to bed and feed around you. Yeah. And then you're in this property that's next to all that, but mm-hmm. you don't have these beautiful food plots on your land. It's all in the neighbors. So it does not surprise yep. me at all that early season, yeah. late season, a lot of your deer are off on your neighbors. And then only during the rut do you get all the yeah. pass through action happening. So this might just be like a circumstantial thing, Dan, that you are yeah. kind of unique in. Yeah. Well, I I will say this too. Um... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Crops usually come out in this, on, on in the areas that I hunt, somewhere between October 15th and Halloween, okay? And so the first two weeks of October means the crops are in, means, like you said, way more cover, way more places for them to go and hide. And so maybe that, and and when the crops do come out, I do see an uptick in trail camera movement because, you know, obviously the deer are being pushed into the the timber more or the, you know, the, the places where there's no no ag and so that probably has something to do with it too um and so dan i think kind of interrupting here but i think the question then becomes like for you the question is like is it worth trying to pounce on a cold front for you in those first two weeks of october and that's a question and it might not be worth it for you i I think i think it can be worth it for a lot of people in a lot of scenarios but in your situation a 10% boost in deer activity might not be enough to help you at that time of the year because of right. the other things going on because of yeah. the standing crop effect, because of your neighbors who've got the best things in the world the deer could ever want on October 4th. Um, yep. And so the 10% boost might not be enough to make it worth whatever impact it might be for you. Um, yeah. The question is, like, if you were to dive in more and explore more and scout more at that time of year, maybe you could find the thing that does work at that time of the year. Maybe not. Maybe the cards are too stacked against you because of, you know, so-and-so's 72 acres of green fields right next to you that every deer wants to be on. Um, It's like that's a fair thing to wonder about. That's a fair thing to consider. Um, But, but man, when you have deer that are on a bed-to-feed pattern, when you can hunt deer on a bed to feed pattern in the yeah. first two weeks of October, when you have that and you have the cold front, and if you don't mess it up with poorly executed hunts, you have a boost. 
you have an opportunity. Yep. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody. But if you have that kind of scenario, whether it's public land or private, there's a chance for a little for it to be a little better. That's what a cold yeah. front does. It just makes things a little bit earlier. It makes things a little bit more exaggerated. Um, yeah. So when you have that thing dialed in, that little boost is often all it takes for that to be dark or daylight. Yeah. And I will say this, man. I Like, I don't care what time of day it is. And we have this conversation about afternoon hunts, early season versus morning hunts, uh, yeah. early season uh, as well. And I... I will go after a deer any time of year in any condition if I have enough data to go do that, whether that is an in the tree sighting or whether that's trail camera data, right? Um, and like, so I'll go after a deer whenever necessary. I have the luxury of being able to do that on a Tuesday, right? Um, but which leads me to my next question is an early season cold front. For the guy who has very limited time to hunt, he's a, he has two weeks of vacation, let's say, and he's going to use one of those weeks of vacation on a, let's say, a, a rut hunt because obviously the statistics show that that's their best time of year to be in the woods to see the most deer movement. Is it worth taking out of that pool of time and moving it into an early season cold front? Um, knowing that your then rutcation will be shorter. Yeah, so I, I think that is a good question and a tough one to think about. Or t- it's, like mm-hmm. it's an important one to think about, maybe, is yeah. how I should frame it. Um, and I think it depends on two things. It depends on, number one, is this person trying to kill a specific buck or just trying to kill deer or any yep. buck, right? Yep. If, you're, if you're trying to kill any buck, the rut is still, like, your best time to do that, like you said. Yep. Um, but if you're trying to kill a specific buck, October in general is usually a safer bet because these deer are on a little bit more of a pattern. They're in a tighter area, and it's easier to kill a specific deer when it's on a consistent or relatively consistent bed-to-feed pattern on average. Exactly. Um, yep. So then the second question then is, do you have something dialed in? Like, Do you have the opportunity to hunt a bed-to-feed pattern? Do you have a property where you're able to learn a deer and figure them out well enough to, to put a targeted strike. Like an October hunt, usually, especially if you're after a specific buck, has to be like a smart targeted strike. You can't just randomly hunt spots all day in a travel corridor and something mm-hmm. will eventually come through, right? Right. For people to consistently kill, especially like a mature buck in October, usually it has to be like, man, I know they're keying on this food source. I've got a really slick way to get in for the afternoon hunt. I've got conditions when the wind direction is going to be right, and it's you know a reasonable set of conditions that this deer might move in daylight, and I'm close to the bedroom. Like All these things have to stack up to kill a deer in early October or mid-October, usually. Yeah. If you have that set of scenarios, if you have those circumstances where you've got a pattern on a deer, you know them well, you can get in to hunt a bed-to-feed pattern, and then you get that front, I think that can be worth a vacation day or two. Okay. Uh, because what you got to remember, and this is something that someone reminded me of the other day, you don't know what November is going to bring you. Right. Right? We might get 75 degrees and sunny for 10 straight days in November, like we did last year for a lot of us, right? So you don't want to miss out on those cold fronts when you get them. Um, 
if you have like all these other circumstances right. So if I have two weeks, you, you, you told me this, you know, this example scenario with two weeks of vacation, I still want that week of vacation in the rut because that's just special. But I would like to take a day or two here or there scattered throughout to take the shots on my pattern deer. Yep. And I yep. probably would time them with if I get a big cold front or if I, you know, the front doesn't have to be the thing. If you see daylight activity despite a front, that's mm-hmm. still a thing. Like we're just trying to get deer yep. to move in daylight and somewhere we can hunt them. If it yep. doesn't take a cold front, who cares? hunt the deer you know don't leave fish to find fish L- listen to what yeah. the deer are telling you if the deer is telling you hey i'm moving in daylight based on a picture or an observation that's just as good as a, as a cold front to the cold front yeah. we're just hoping we'll get a deer daylight if he already is like hunt him if you can in a smart way mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I like the idea of taking scattered shots throughout the month of october or you know if you don't get those fronts then the later part of october is usually when the other things start trending up giving you that better opportunity um yeah. but yeah my my usual strategy in october is i hunt the first day or two regardless of what the conditions are and then i listen to what the deer tell me over the course of that month if i'm seeing them in daylight i'll start hunting them if i have a front coming through that'll give me a reason to maybe take a take a swing if I'm not getting any sign of him moving in daylight, if I have no good weather conditions, I'm probably hunting other places where I'm not trying to kill a big old buck or I'm just waiting. And, yeah. you know, waiting till those other things give me something in my favor, which, as you talked about, typically starts happening as you get closer to the road. Okay. Yeah, man, it's so it's so tricky, right? I mean, everybody, everybody is, everybody's scenario is different, right? I mean... There's a lot of people that think I'm crazy for saying that, for saying that, but then there's also guys who, who agree with me. I would, I would say that realistically, um, based off of the, the comments that I've read, and this is all social, right? And so the comments is like 60% of people think I'm crazy and that cold fronts play an absolutely huge impact. And then the 40% who are like, man, I'm kind of with you, Dan, I, I, I don't like, and maybe that's because of the vacation situation and they just decide, Hey, I'm going to commit a long period or like a big chunk of time in, in, uh, in November to, to putting myself in the best position as opposed to an early season to, you know, scattering like what you said. So I don't know, man, it's, it's a very interesting conversation and, um, you know, a lot of people, base their strategy and base their um when they're going to hunt off of their past experiences you know and and not necessarily weather conditions or you know what i mean like that so so yeah man i uh it's a anything else that you would want to add about cold fronts or strategy for this early season based off of your your experiences I mean, I think the the biggest the, there's two two big things, and I've I've already said them, but I'll kind of try to put a bow on it. Like number one, the impact of any outside factor, whether it's a cold yeah. front, whether it's precipitation, whether it's barometric pressure, whether it's if you believe in the moon stuff, like any of that kind of thing, it will never take you from ten percent to ninety percent. It's always going to depend on where your baseline is. It's going to be a boost, but it's only going to take you as far as your baseline will allow you to. 
So again, like if your baseline opportunity level is crap, it's down there at 5% because you're not in the right place and you've overhunted it and you've got lots of pressure around you, then a cold front's not going to really help you all that much. Yeah. If your baseline is up there at 75% because you have highly managed pressure or unpressured land and food plots, all that kind of stuff. Well then, yeah, cold front's going to make that 10% bump from 75 to 85. is going to be like, yeah, man, this is great. So Everyone's got to remember, like, think about where your baseline is. Do everything you can to raise your baseline, whether you hunt public or private, pressured or unpressured, right? We should all be trying to raise our baseline, which is understanding where the deer are at this time of year, understanding mm -hmm. how to access them without them knowing it, understand how to pick the right wind directions to be in the right location, understanding where the food is, understanding where the bedding is, understanding how the terrain, like, you, you got to get all that stuff right to raise your baseline. You got to raise your floor. And then once your floor is up at a manageable level, then you can take advantage of that cold front, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we've got to be clear that cold fronts are not going to save the day. They're not going to take right. from zero to hero. They will only bump you up as much as your floor will let it bump you up. Okay, so that's number yep. one. Number two, I do think it is a mistake to think that you can only kill a big old buck on a cold front. Like, I, I think... It's, I believe strongly that cold fronts help. I think they give you a boost, but they are not necessary. And if you ignore what the deer are telling you because the weather doesn't seem right, that is a huge mistake. And these days, we love to talk about the weather. We love to talk about the fronts. There's podcasts like mine and other people's and shows and there's apps. There's all these different things that tell you how good it's supposed to be based on an algorithm based on the weather, based on the moon, whatever crap it is, right? I don't care about any of that if the deer are telling me, hey, I'm moving right now. Yeah, This is something that's easy to fall prey to. Like, I am guilty of sometimes thinking, well, I shouldn't hunt right now because it's you know, they're not supposed to be moving right now. But if that deer is telling you, hey, I'm moving because you saw him or you've got daylight pictures or whatever it is, if that's if you have that, that's more important than any prediction. That's more important than any cold front coming. That's more important than anything. That's all that really matters. So do not ignore what the deer are telling you. Jump on that before you jump on a front or an app or whatever. Dude, I am so glad you ended with that because that is really the premise of all of these conversations that we have is know your deer herd. Really like, like the conversation for me is always about rut timing, right? So a lot of people think November 1st is just the, the rut starts on November. So in the farms that I have, I know my deer herd and, and the best time for me to go out and hunt is that first week of uh, November because it's still pre-rut. And so the bucks are susceptible to calling uh, they're not locked down by any means yet. And maybe some of them are, but majority of the deer are not in breeding uh in a breeding position yet and that's what i take advantage of and so there's a different strategy for everybody based off of what their deer is telling them and i think you absolutely nailed it there with that last one and and uh because if it's 95 and your deer are saying hey let's you know come try to shoot me dude you go to the stand and you sweat you better do it yeah yep absolutely absolutely um speaking well of, speaking of real quick dan speaking of uh yep. you knowing your deer herd and the time of year i just yep. saw your pretty face in north american whitetail with some quotes <laughs> talking about that very thing you're getting awfully big time dan johnson yeah right i'm no mark kenyon uh, but I, I i got some friends that show me some show me uh throw some scraps my way 
you're looking good on the pages of North American Whitetail, buddy. I was excited. To see. Did 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 you see who like that that those two pages that were put together? There's four people on them. I'm one of them. But did you see who the other people on that page were? It was like, like Greg Miller, uh, Mark Drury, Bill and Winky. Nick Munt. Yeah, Bill Winky was in that article. Dan Infault was in that article, and I'm just like, uh, like. I am completely outclassed on on this on this article. Dan, you are in rarefied company, man. You are <laughs> you are you're on the Mount Rushmore these days, buddy. I'm excited for. Oh you. yeah, right, right. Well, hey, dude. Uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Uh, I appreciate you taking time to hop on the on the podcast, and uh, man, uh, good luck, dude. Thanks, buddy. When are you? Uh, when's your next hunt? Uh, my next hunt might be this th- this weekend. Right. You know, like one thing we didn't talk about and we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about it now, but it's. I don't necessarily believe in cold fronts in this first two weeks of October, but here's what I do believe in long periods of rain, which tend to come with cold fronts. Right. We have a scenario here in Iowa where the front is just like delayed. Right. So we have multiple days of rain off and on for, um, you know, for like three or four days in a row. We got a day of 100 percent rain uh, where it's just like it's going to be rainy and crappy all the way until Saturday morning in um, when that front finally pushes out. And so Saturday night, my goal is Saturday night because I have found the greatest success statistically is being in the woods when the rain stops. And if that can land, like what it's going to land, like I'll be completely honest, I hope my my boys' soccer games and baseball games get canceled <laughs> because, dude, it's going to hit perfect, like crappy all morning, and then that front is finally just going to finish. It's going to go to sunny. Uh, clouds are going to push through, and it's going to, that next 24 hours could be, could be something special yeah no i've seen the same thing when those rain fronts pass through it's it's pretty darn good i actually killed my wisconsin buck uh in that exact scenario it'd been raining all like the night before all through the early morning as soon as that rain passed there he is so yeah it's a good time to be out there absolutely man okay now thank you very much (laughs) good luck the rest of the season and uh man we'll be in touch sounds good buddy good luck and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Mark. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day. Man, good vibes, right? It's this time of year where uh, take care of the responsibilities at home and then get out into the woods or the fields or wherever it is you're going to spend your time and hunt your balls off while you can. Take care of the things at home so those home things don't f- come with you to the timber, okay? Uh also, wear your damn safety harness. This isn't the time of year to take risks. Get in a tree, buckle up, hook up, and be safe. Period. Right? There's other people who love you and other people who rely on you every single day, and you can't jeopardize that. Uh, huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and Full Sneak Gear. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And uh, man, it's that time of year, man. I'm going to be, uh, the next time you hear this voice, I will be preparing 
for like so i'll have another episode that launches on friday listen to that one and then the next week i will have another episode as well uh, probably just one that week and i'm going to be uh, in uh, south dakota really just trying to hammer it all out and so uh uh man really looking forward to that hunt like i do every year i want to kill a mule deer so bad and uh i know where some live i just have to get out there and go track them down so good vibes in good vibes out and we'll talk to you next time